If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 157 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those beloved Yanks of ours. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on October the 2nd of the year 2022. Guys, we have made it to another October. Not only does the year continue to fly by and near its end within the next couple of months, believe it or not, it's crazy. (laughs) But it is the big month for us baseball fans, the only month that truly matters more than any, with just a handful of games left to play after today's final home game against the O's, four more to be exact after today, against the Texas Rangers. But But, 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 even more importantly, the Yankees, in the middle of this past eventful week, have completed phase one on their way to their ultimate goal on the journey to winning a championship. They're 28th, and that is clinching the American League Eastern Division. So congrats to the boys. Yes, there you go. Worthy of an applause for sure. It's the first division title for them since 2019 when they finished in first place with 103 wins and the second one since 2012 when they finished in first that year with 95 wins, just two games ahead of the Orioles. So that's three division titles in the last 10 years since 2012, 2012, 2019, and now this year, 2022. I would have liked more, but can't have it all all the time, can you? Still beyond exciting for this year, nonetheless, the past is done with, got to focus on now, and it is always great to see them win the division, because winning the division, of course, is the ultimate goal for the regular season, at least. Definitely more, it's definitely more safe to make it via division title than it is the wild card at any point, especially in today's playoff format now, the new one that started this year. Finishing as one of the top two teams in the league because that also means you get the first round by and can, and can wait on one of the winners of the wild card series for the American League Division Series. And as far as personal accomplishments, because big things that happened this past week, it doesn't end at the Yankees winning the division. No, no, no. Personal accomplishments. Well, I think we all know what I'm going to say next. <laughs> Aaron Judge. He did, in fact, after much anticipation, hit his 61st home run of the season. Yes, more applause. Clap it up. (laughs) Uh, It's great. (laughs) It did happen in Toronto, which I basically guaranteed myself would happen after it was pretty obvious that last weekend against the Red Sox, it just wasn't happening at the stadium. It just wasn't. It just seemed to be too chaotic there, and it's the same thing this weekend against the Orioles, but 
it did happen in Toronto as I anticipated for it to happen. A lot of people saying after the weekend series last weekend at Yankee Stadium saying, oh, I don't think Judge is even going to hit one more home run till the end of the season. I was saying, listen, he's not going to go the last like 14 plus games without hitting a home run. He's going to hit one eventually. And I'm and I feel exactly the same way as he heads up to 62. We're still waiting on it. Hoping it happens today in the last home game against the O's, but right now it hasn't happened yet. But I was confident that it was going to happen in Toronto. I was, saying, I was saying maybe it'd be a little less chaotic on the road. Maybe as a little bit clearer of a head because, I mean, the pressure at Yankee Stadium is unbelievable. As we've been saying, a World Series-esque environment every single time the man steps to the plate. And how quiet it gets right as the pitch is being delivered, which is just jarring given how loud it is right up until that moment. (laughs) It's absolutely crazy, the dynamic that happens in Yankee Stadium. Every judge at bat and every pitch within each each and every judge at bat. It's absolutely insane. But it did happen in Toronto in the final game of the series with Judge's mom and Roger Maris Jr. looking on and hugging each other after it did happen. Wholesome baseball moment alert. But it was just epic. It really was. A 117 mile per hour piss missile (laughs) over the left field wall in Rogers Center. Right over the left field wall. Just it missed the first row by just a bit. And I believe a fan even dropped it, which... I guarantee you that fan is never going to forget in a bad way (laughs) for the rest of his life. Being able to catch the 61st home run ball and missing out on the potential money that goes along with it. The millions of dollars. (laughs) But nonetheless, it did clear the wall. An absolute missile to left field. As our beloved Aaron James Judge officially tied Roger Maris' American League single season home run record. Which did, obviously, spark even more debate. The debate that we've been talking about for a while now, just everywhere. You've probably seen it, and you're probably tired of hearing about it. But nonetheless, it's around, so you got to at least mention it. But it sparked even more so the debate amongst the baseball community as to what the true single-season home run record is. Whether it be Maris's clean record on the verge of being broken by Aaron Judge, or Bonds with 73 along with the other steroid guys who had more than Maris as well, and McGuire, and Sosa, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> As far as I'm concerned, guys, and I know I say this quite a bit, but, I mean, it's true. I'm just telling you the truth, how I feel. But I do understand both sides. Appreciating that a clean Aaron Judge is breaking the clean single-season home run record, which has its importance, and it should at least be acknowledged, but also saying that, hey, Bonds was still a hell of a player, steroids or not, and his 73 home runs is always going to be in the record books as the most, whether you like it or not, which is the truth. (laughs) So I understand both, I do. But the one thing that I don't agree with and don't understand and wish wasn't happening is the fact that this debate is resulting in really ugly arguments on social media or wherever. People are ripping each other's throats out over this discussion. I mean, between that and also those just generally trying to devalue what Judge is doing with their bitterness and jealousy and whatnot. I mean, just a lot of things all except for just appreciating the remarkable history that we've witnessed this year. I mean, guys, you got to put all that crap aside. 
Otherwise, I question your love for this game. I really, really do. Your love and knowledge for this game, quite frankly. Especially given the fact that, I mean, listen, when you think about it, are there objectively, objectively, really many better, more respectable players to do what Judge is doing right now than Aaron Judge? From an objective standpoint, are there many other better candidates in the world to do what Judge has done? I'm not sure there are, guys. Not many. So just appreciate it if you aren't already, huh? Just appreciate it. Not everything's got to be a dire debate or an ugly argument or have some negative spin on it. Just enjoy it. No matter who you root for or how you feel, it's a once-in-a-lifetime sort of a season that we will have the privilege of being able to reflect on with future generations. And that's the fact of the matter, guys. Enjoy it. Appreciate it. Relish in its greatness. That's my advice. And I wish a lot of people would start to do that. That's what I've done. I haven't really partaken in that debate because I, I just don't really feel like it, to be honest. Like I said, I kind of understand both sides. So that's just where I I am. I, I don't really care. I'm, I'm just appreciating what I'm watching. Like, I would assume everybody else does, but... People... <laughs> Does it really surprise you that much? But anyways, we are still waiting on number 62. I'm not sure if it'll happen in the final home game today, obviously, or if it'll have to wait for the final series of the season coming up in Texas. And it could happen, very well happen on the road again, as 61 did in Toronto. But either way, I eagerly await the new American League single-season home run record of 62, regardless of where it happens. Obviously, it would be great if it happened today. But in today's game, speaking of today, I am recording during it again. It's just after 3 o'clock right now, and they just took Chichi Gonzalez out of the game, who started the games in a spot start for the Yankees today. He was selected to the roster after they DFA'd Jacob Barnes. They had just signed Jacob Barnes to a major league contract and selected him to the 40-man and had him pitch even yesterday, and they just DFA'd him. Brought Chichi Gonzalez up, and now Gonzalez had himself a pretty decent start today against the Orioles. Four and two-thirds innings, did allow four hits, only one run. He did walk three guys, and he struck out three, and he's left runners on first and third with two outs in the top of the fifth where we stand now with Lucas Litke coming into the game. So that's at the time I'm recording right now. It would be epic if 62 happens, if I still happen to be recording at the time it happens, because then you could literally hear my knee-jerk just at the moment reaction right here on the podcast, which would definitely be a moment for the ages for me to be able to experience that with my microphone hot. That'd be awesome. (laughs) So if that were to happen, that would be a new experience for me. That's for sure. (laughs) So, but nonetheless, that's the deal right now. The Orioles are up one to nothing in the game. Licky's pitching right now to Santander. I had to just leave the microphone for a second and really take a look at that name because my TV is on the smaller side and I couldn't really see it from here. So, Santander is at the plate right now. Switch hitter batting righty against the lefty Litke. I just want to watch that bat real quick. It's 0-1, the pitch. Oh my God, another hard foul ball off Trevino's mask behind the plate. That happened again earlier. 
And he just really shook it off nice, but he's been getting banged up back there for a while now, Trevino. <laughs> I so I feel so bad for the catchers, man. They really get messed up back there. They really do. I mean, it's what they sign up for, and it's the position they play and love, but they they take a beating back there. So it's 0-2 on Sunton there. Now I just want to see how this at-bat ends. Yes, this game is meaningless, I know. But I just want to see how it goes, okay? <laughs> so it's 0-2 up high. All right. So it's 1-2. But anyways, if the Yankees do win today, a little fun fact, I thought I might mention this, and I believe it was Paul O'Neill's, either Paulie or Flash, John Flaherty mentioned this right before the game was starting in their scouting report prior to first pitch, but hold on, the game, it's 1-2 and two right now, I just want to watch this, and curveball low. But anyways, this was mentioned on the Yankee broadcast prior to first pitch, and I wanted to mention it on here because it's a really cool stat. But if they do win today, the Yankees will solidify a 58-23 and 23 home record this year, which is incredible. And it's actually the most home wins in a season for the Yankees at the new Yankee Stadium since its opening in 2009. How about that, huh? So a very good season at home for the Yankees, obviously, this year. We, I've definitely brought up the point especially when I was talking about the importance of home field advantage throughout the playoffs, when I was talking about how it bothered me that they lost it to the Astros again. But a lot of people were like, oh, you know, they'll win where they're supposed to win. If they're meant to win, they'll win wherever. And that is true, and I support that argument. But I mentioned this during this time period a couple of months ago, and I'll mention it again. It is definitely worth bringing up the fact of how different the Yankees are when they play at home. It makes a difference with them if you see the difference in record from home record to road record. It makes a difference. And this is yet another supporting argument of that. Just a remarkable season at home for the Yankees. Just epic. Right now it stands at 57-23. and 23. This is the 81st game at home, the final home game. So if they win today, it will be 58-23. and 23. And... Because right now, they're tied for the most home wins in a season in the new Yankee Stadium. So, that's a little fun fact for you, right there. Santander is a 3-2 count on him now. He's worked at the 3-2. Litke had him at 0-2. Hate to see that. But that's the deal. A little fun fact for you as far as how incredible of a season the Yankees have had at home in 2022, guys. So... It's pretty surreal that this is the last home game. I mean, it goes without saying how quickly the season goes by. I mention it almost every week, no matter what time of the season it is. <laughs> the fact of how quickly it goes by. And Litke got him called out on strikes, and Santander checked his swing. And he's telling the home plate umpire, check with the first base umpire. I didn't swing, but hey, it was a strike anyway. It was a called strike three. So Santander struck out by Litke. Orioles don't score. So it's still one nothing heading to the bottom of the fifth at the time I'm recording. When you're listening to this, obviously, whether it be later tonight or later in the week, you obviously know the final outcome of this game. and might not even care considering it's meaningless to both teams. But even though I am not, you know, do or die saying, oh, the Yankees better win this game, a lot on the line. I'm aware that nothing's on the line. But uh, I still like to see Yankee wins. What can I tell you? Hard to be in a fan. So that is that. Now, there was another cool thing I wanted to mention before we moved on to our Yankees news. I guess this could be part of Yankees news if you want for this past week, but this is a very cool tweet by my man Max Goodman on Twitter, 
And I wanted to mention it because it shows you how cool things have been in Yankee land for the past two weeks. All things that we have mentioned, whether it be in the intro today or on last week's show regarding the week prior to that. But just a little bit of a recap of all the cool things that have happened in Yankee land for the last week and a half, guys. So listen to this. Last week and a half, Judge hit his 60th and 61st home runs. Stanton smashed his walk-off Grand Slam home run. Glaber Torres had his two home runs in one inning game. Garrett Cole matched... The Yankees' single-season strikeout record. The Yankees clinched the AL East. Just a bunch of really cool things that have happened. He tweeted this a few days ago. So that's that. A lot of really cool things happening in the Yankees' world. And if Judge were to hit 62, and that would just add to it. My God, the weather's really bad at the stadium right now. Good Lord. It is a really ugly day out here in New York today. It is cold, it is chilly, it is breezy, really windy, and where I am in New York, it's not raining right now, but in the Bronx, it is, it's raining pretty good, and it's probably that cold rain, which is the worst. Cold rain is just dreadful to deal with. I hate rain in general, and I hate the cold. I'm such a cold hater, so when you put those two together, it is not fun. So in the bottom of the sixth right now, or fifth rather, I'm sorry, Hicks is up, and after that, obviously, is Aaron Judge. So Judge will get another crack at 62. He'll get at least two more at-bats. So this inning and at least one more. So we'll see what happens. If there is a bottom of the ninth to the game, if the Yankee offense hits a little bit, then he could even get three more chances. But it's a matter of whether they decide to pitch to him or not, because the Orioles have not been very competitive pitching-wise this series. Definitely not nearly as competitive as the Red Sox were last weekend. They, much respect to them, man. The Red Sox really went after him last weekend. I gained a lot of respect for them for that. The Orioles, although Judge has seen a few pitches to hit this series, I guess, they've definitely been less competitive than the Red Sox were. There's no doubt about that. So, Hicks is up 3-0 right now. We'll see what happens with this A-B right here. Bradish is still in the game for the O's. The 3-0 is a strike on the outside corner. So the count is 3-1. and one. Really want to be able to see if I could get this on tape. Judge hitting 62 and I could get it on yapping Yankees. Be incredible, man. Yankees news is definitely up next for us to talk about, but I just want to see if this home run happens right here because that would be all kinds of epic. Definitely, uh... Solid reel to be able to use for a future job if that happens, huh? <laughs> okay. So Hicks just walked. All right. So it's runner on first, leadoff runner on base. Nobody out. Here comes Judgy. Oh, God. So this is his first time facing Bradish. Hopefully he was able to study some more things as to his pitches. He's had a little bit of a trouble with his slider. Last at-bat was a wacky one. That one that it looked like he went completely around in the first base umpire said he didn't. And then the check swing after that on a lone away slider immediately punched him out. Maybe as a little bit of a give back to the Orioles. I would understand that because even as a Yankee fan, you know I'm as objective as they come. But that was a swing by Judge. And I don't agree with the fact that players trying to get out of the way, whether they swing or not. Uh, I don't agree that if they're just trying to get out of the way, you know, trying to prevent from being hit in the face by a pitch. I don't think there should be a swing regardless, but... Baseball counts it as such, and if they are going to count it as such, then that was a swing before. (laughs) Objectively, that was a swing. So, if it wasn't a swing on the check swing after that, then uh, that was definitely the umpire giving that one back a bit, which you have to understand. 1-0, and 
And it's slow 2-0, so they don't look like they're pitching to him yet again in this at-bat. We'll see if it changes going forward, but it is 2-0 the count right now. Judge is 0-2 with two strikeouts this afternoon. Stadium is packed. Even in a meaningless game, we obviously know why it is packed. Because of the man at the plate. Duh. Alright, it's 2-0 right now. Let's see what Bradish does. The pitch. Oh, Judge got a good one to hit. He fouled it straight back. Oh, God. Gave him a fastball right down the plate. Oh, boy, was that a good one to hit. Ooh. Ah, crap. He's gotten a couple of those this series, and he spoiled them, but that was, oh, boy, that was a rough one. That was a good one to hit, man. Come on, Judge. It's 2-1. and one. I could hear everybody talking outside in my house, and they're watching it in the fam- in our family room. 2-1. and one. Well, in a way, 3-1. and one. They gave him that fastball. Definitely one of the better pitches to try to hit. He spoiled it, fouled it straight back. And then Bradish went right back to the slider, low and away, and now it's 3-1. and one. God almighty. Alrighty, let's see. 3-1, and one. he's at the set, and... The pitch. Low ball four. That, that... Wow, that was a... Yeah, that looked like it could have been a strike. That was right at the knees. I don't, I don't know about that one. All right, well, Judge walks. All right. That looked pretty good. Let's see from the side view where his knee, with his knees. No, that was low. That was low. Okay. Yeah, Bradish was like looking at the home plate umpire with his arms outstretched. He's definitely having a problem with the umps right now between that check swing before with the ball that almost hit him, hit him in the face and then this one just now. Yeah, that's low. They even just put the box up. That was low for sure. So, all right. Judge reaches base. Got to walk. So, have to wait for the next at-bat. A lot of people filing out of the stadium already for some reason. Close one nothing game, unless they're just going to get some food or drinks. But other than that, Judge definitely has at least one more at-bat ahead of him. And it's just a one nothing game, and right now it's first and second, nobody out. So if they are leaving for the day, that doesn't really make any sense unless they're just tired of the crap weather. But that's when you just, I don't know, maybe go underneath where you get some, some shade, some protection from the rain, and watch from there. Can't leave right now. What happens if you miss it? Just like those people who missed number 60. Left that game early before the bottom of the ninth. And they not only missed his 60th home run, but my personal favorite win of the year. <laughs> so, all right, Yankees news time, guys. So from this past week, quite a few things happened. We'll return to last Sunday because we did not speak on Sunday because I did go away last weekend, as you know, and had to record early on Friday and had the episode out early on Saturday. So on Sunday, Andujar was officially claimed off waivers by the Pirates. We knew that they had DFA'd him, but it had just been revealed on Sunday that he was picked up by the Pirates, and he's doing a pretty good job there to the best of my understanding so far. So best of luck to him. Best of luck, Andujar. Friday. So from Monday to Thursday, things were a bit quiet on the Yankees' news forefront as far as any official moves being made. Friday, some official moves were made. LoCastro was optioned back to AAA so that DJ LeMayhew could return. And we did know that DJ had been uh, working to get back a bit. It was really more of a riding by the seat of their pants sort of situation, like get him in there, see how he feels, and if he continues to feel good, then keep him in. And so far, with DJ having returned, he's back for a couple of days now after being out since September 4th. Missed my boy. But 
He says that he's not feeling any problems so far as he's playing. He's had himself a nice game today. Got himself a hit in his in his second at-bat, rather. So he does have a hit today. And he walked in his first at-bat, a very nice at-bat. So he's looking good today, and he's not reporting any problems. So if that's the case, then our DJ is back, guys. And LeCastro, again, option to AAA. There is more news on Matt Carpenter. The news on him has been extremely thin, extremely light for weeks now. Just a long time as they just continue to reevaluate and reevaluate and reevaluate, send him for more tests and this and that. Well, right now, they do like the healing progress that is taking place on his foot. He is taking live at bats. When we spoke last weekend, we did say that he was out in the bullpen just hanging around and starting to get started with ramping up, and now he's even taking live at-bats. And they did say that he is going to be heading up to the Yankees alternate site in Somerset, where, of course, their AA affiliate Patriots play. They are going to be bringing him to there so we could get some more live at-bats. They were thinking about activating him for the Texas series and maybe having him get his at-bats there and then have him just go right into the playoffs being on the roster for the DS. But they would prefer that he gets even more action and ramping up and live at bats at the alternate site. So that is where Carpenter will be headed, and they are looking at a very likely potential ALDS return for our boy Carp. It seems to be getting close, which is awesome. I love it. Love the Matt Carpenter news. I miss him. That injury that happened was still so freaking unfortunate. It was such a freak thing. Just a foul ball right to the foot. Oh my god, I hate it. Hate it. But he's very close, which we love to hear. Love that. As far as Ben Benintendi, there's been of an update on him. The news is still pretty light on him. It just doesn't seem like he's really going to be able to ramp up in time for much of anything. If he gets back, I would say it's not going to be till like mid to late playoffs, like depending on how far they go, of course, anyway. But... It's really not looking good for Benintendi. I'd, I'd be surprised if we see him at all. Even, even if like the Yankees make it to the World Series, I'd be surprised if he's even back by then, to be honest. I mean, maybe by then, because by then you're looking at November-ish. So, I don't know. But the wrist surgery recovery and, and just getting to ramping up, it's just, I don't know. It's really tough. And at that point, after all that time missed, can you really trust him to start and really give you production in the most needed time period in the playoffs. I don't know. It's really tough. So I, I don't know if we're going to see Ben Benintendi. Something could change in the couple in the coming weeks, and in that case, I would definitely update you, obviously. But I don't know. I think we obviously have a much better chance of seeing Carpenter, which we will fairly shortly, than we do of seeing Ben Benintendi. That's just what I'm getting from things. More news regarding a man who has not even been mentioned in a long time other than just reflecting on some of the biggest Yankee losses of the year, but our man, Michael King. We've obviously known that with his elbow fracture, we've been waiting for months because doctors wanted to see how the elbow healed on its own, perhaps, or to see how things progressed with the fracture as to whether or not he would need Tommy John's surgery. And after all these months later, since his injury from months ago, the doctors have finally determined that he does not need Tommy John surgery, which means that he could very well be ready for next year, even spring training. Because if he got Tommy John surgery right about now, 
I would definitely say he would miss all of next year. Or at least the vast majority of it, if not all of it. So, that is definitely big news for Michael King. Hopefully it results in the best possible outcome and he can be ready for spring training, ready for next season, and have him back in full-blown force. That's the goal. But good news for him as he does not need Tommy John's surgery. Also on Friday, this is where a lot of the news poured in, Zach Britton, and this news is sad, but he left the game with left arm fatigue, and he is officially done for the year. We will not see him for the rest of this year, and to be honest with you guys, as much as I hate to say it, I think he's cooked. I think his career is over. I mean, the guy just got back from Tommy John surgery, a really long and dragged out ramping up process, just came back, didn't even pitch that much, and now his left shoulder is starting to get fried. I I think he's done. He's going to be 35 in December, and the injuries have just really taken a toll on him. He can't seem to stay consistent. He can't seem to stay healthy. I I think it's over. I don't know. they, They spent a lot of money on him, guys. They really did. They gave a lot of money to Zach Britton, and it's unfortunate it didn't work out. He had a couple of really good years with the Yankees, that's for sure. And at one point, he was one of the best relievers, if not the best on the planet. In 2016, he had an 0-54 ERA when he was still with the Orioles. And even with the Yankees. In 2018, after they brought him in, he had a 2.88 ERA with the Yankees in his time with them. 2019, a 191 ERA. 2020 in the shortened season, 189. Last year, obviously, was a rough one for him. And this year, I mean, he pitched in three games and now is... Now his left shoulder's fried now after all the stuff with his elbow and Tommy John surgery. It's just not good, guys. So, Zach Britton, done for the year. And honestly, in my opinion, I could be wrong. You know, come 2023, if he ends up still being around. Um, but I, I, I think the guy's career is over as much as it pains me to say. Because I hate having to say that about anybody. It really, it's a crappy situation. It really is. Now... I definitely, if the Yankees are, if he doesn't retire on his own, if he doesn't feel his career is over, if he decides to ride this one out, get better and stick around, now this is the last year on his contract for the Yankees. This year he's making $14 million, guys. It's a lot of money for a relief pitcher, especially one who has spent the vast majority of last year and this year hurt or really just not doing well. So I definitely would not bring him back. Zach Britton, unfortunately. I definitely would not. And we'll see what happens to him as far as the rest of his career period. If somebody else wants to give him a shot or what in a year after this. But I I think the guy's cooked. That's just me personally as much. Zach looks like a really nice guy. Obviously got nothing against him. Personally, I feel awful that he can't stay healthy. Must feel awful for him more than anybody, obviously. But it's just, he can't stay healthy. And one, it's just one problem after the other, and I, I just think he's done. So that's the deal with Zach Britton. Won't see him for the rest of the year, playoffs included or anything. Clay Holmes. Now, you might have noticed in the last few days, and Jack Curry even mentioned this on Twitter until it was officially announced afterwards what the reason was, but Clay Holmes hasn't been pitching a lot lately. Don't know if you've realized that. Well, the Yankees did finally reveal that he has been mostly unavailable because of a right shoulder strain. He recently did have an MRI and an injection, but the Yankees and Aaron Boone are hopeful that he can still be ready for the ALDS. Now, Holmes, of course, for the vast majority of the second half, has continued to be an utter train wreck after he looked like one of the best, if not the best, reliever on the face of the earth 
in the first half. In the second half, he's been an utter disaster. So I don't really know how excited people would be to have him back and put him in a major spot in the playoffs. But nonetheless, the Yankees could use as much pitching as they can get, obviously. And if Holmes is able to turn it on for the playoffs, obviously that would be invaluable. Unbelievably positive for the Yankees. That's what you hope for, of course. But he does seem to be confident in being ready for the American League Division Series. So that's the deal with Holmes. Do expect to see him back. We'll see what happens with him as he progresses. Hopefully that is the reason that he's been bad, just having some troubles and he can get past it and turn it on again. I don't know. We'll see. Pretty doubtful after the way he's looked for the vast majority of the second half, like I said, but anything's possible. And just another piece of news, another interesting stat, just like the home game stat for the Yankees in 2022, but yesterday, as far as just a cool thing to look on and really appreciate what we've watched, Nestor Cortez, who of course is coming off his final start, what is very well his final start of 2022 in the regular season yesterday against the Orioles, a complete and utter gem, seven and a third, a one-hit shutout, striking out 12, unbelievable, he has now lowered his ERA to the lowest earned run average for a Yankee starting pitcher over the last 43 years. Outstanding does not begin to describe what Nestor Cortez has accomplished with the Yankees in the last couple of years. Not only this year, but last year too, but especially this year. Pitching for the duration of the entire 2022 season, with the exception of a couple of weeks that even looks even more so like a phantom IL stint, just to give his arms some rest. About 160 innings pitched, over 160 strikeouts, and an ERA of just two. 44 in 2022 throughout the entire season. Absolutely incredible. A 12-4 and record. Could have been a lot more wins, but he was really screwed out of a few of them, especially when the offense wasn't doing their thing. Again, win-loss record does not mean very much to me at all, as you very well know if you've been listening to me for a while and have been with me for a while, but especially the ERA and just, it's unbelievable what Nestor has been able to accomplish. Given where his career started and the fact that nobody really expected much of anything from him, and now you're talking about one of the better starting pitching seasons for the Yankees by any starter in almost a half a century, (laughs) it's remarkable. What this man has accomplished was more unexpected and more outstanding and more phenomenal than just about anything we've seen from any Yankee starting pitcher in a very long time. And there are no words to describe just how incredible it is. There are no words to describe it. None. So that's a cool stat. Again, yesterday starts seven and a third, just one hit. I know it's the Orioles, but their offense isn't that awful right now, especially at the top of the order. Seven and a third, one hit, and that one hit wasn't even given up until I believe it was the fifth inning. Yeah, a Jorge Mateo hit. That's it. Shutout, only two walks, 12 strikeouts. Absolutely just remarkable by Nestor. Yeah, 163 strikeouts, 158 in the third innings. A whip of .92. <laughs> Unreal. Unreal. So a cool stat by Nestor. Lowest ERA for a Yankee starting pitcher over the last 43 years. Almost a half a century. Think of how many great Yankee starters there have been in that time. 
And Nestor's the lowest ERA in that time. So that's really all for Yankees news as this past week, guys. As far as further injuries like, you know, Carpenter or more updates on Benintendi and whatnot, we'll see as the weeks continue on and as the playoffs come closer and closer and then obviously arrive. But that's really all the news from this past week, my friends. And I actually did notice that the Yankees did tie the game. I was not even paying attention when that happened because I was doing my show. So... Let me see how they tied it, because I didn't even actually hear about it or anything. I did not even hear how they tied it. Oh, Aaron Hicks scored in a wild pitch. All right, well, you get him however you can, right? <laughs> so, and then Judge continued to second on a throwing error by Rutschman behind the plate. Okay, so it's one-to-one, and right now, as I do look over, it's still one-to-one, top of the sixth runners on first and second two outs against Litke. Kyle Stowers at the plate. Just want to see how this inning goes. So a very quiet game today here at Yankee Stadium between the O's and the Yanks in the final Yankee home game. Oh, and the O-1 hits him. Whoa. Horrible curveball by Lickie. Horrible curveball. So the bases are loaded now with two outs. But as far as the rest of the show, my friends, we do have to recap this past week, which is the last full week of the regular season for to recap, really, because by the time we talk next week... There's only going to be four games to recap for the Yankees, which are the four games in the next three days against the Rangers, because then the regular season's over. After that, every recap will be playoff games. More playoff yapping Yankees episodes for the first, second, third, fourth year in a row. Because we covered on yapping Yankees, we have covered May and on for the 2019 season. So virtually the entire season, except for the least important month. All of 2020 and all the chaos that happened that year, all of last year and the chaos that happened that year, and all of this year and the chaos that's happened this year. It has been a very eventful last four years of baseball, Yankees baseball, and just baseball in general, and we've been able to cover it all here on Yapping Yankees, my friends. It has been a lot of fun, and I cannot wait for another year of playoff coverage. It's going to be a really good time. Now I look over and see Jorge Mateo. Former Yankee farm guy is up at bat against Litke. He takes the first pitch low. Looked like a cutter. And in the bullpen right now is our man Ron Marinaccio warming up. So we'll see if Litke can escape this jam and keep the score tied up at 1. 1-0 pitch. Grounded down to third. Donaldson's going to have to make a long throw. Got him. Wow. I'll give it to Josh. I may not be a fan of his, but that was a nice play. Ground ball, hugging the third base line, set his feet, threw all the way across the diamond, and got Mateo, who is speedy. So nice play by Josh. So, like I said for the rest of the show, as today's game is still tied at one heading to the bottom of the sixth, we have to recap this past week, even though a chunk of the games are meaningless, of course particularly the games against the Orioles when it comes to the Yankees and having value in games because they did clinch while they were in Toronto in Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s house, the self-proclaimed house of Vladimir Guerrero Jr., which we will talk about more later. It was definitely clowned on quite a bit when that took place. And quite a bit happened in his house this past week. We'll get to it all. And then we'll recap quickly the series against the Orioles this weekend before we head into the final week of the regular season, which is over after Wednesday. 
Wednesday's game 162, my friends, got the doubleheader on Tuesday and the single game tomorrow on Monday. The really uh, crunched in games here going on for these next few days. Today was supposed to originally be the last game of the season, but these games to come this coming week are the makeups for that first week being taken out from the lockout, the CBA nonsense at the start of the season, like those random Astros games were in the middle of the calendar. So let's jump into our Yappin' Yankees time machine today and get to recapping this past week. And then after that, we'll look at what's ahead for the next coming week and get to our social media segment for today, which is another Q&A. I'm rhyming a ton here. Good Lord. Let's jump into that Yappin' Yankees time machine and go back to last Sunday, or last weekend in general, actually, because I recorded last Friday. Didn't even get to talk about Saturday or Sunday. Let's go. All right, guys, so a bit of a time jump in my recording here because I legit just went outside when I played that time machine effect. I just went outside, paused the recording here a bit because I wanted to go eat something. I was really hungry, and now I'm back in my room recording for Judge's next at-bat, and at the risk of it happening, live on Yapping Yankees, I am back in my room for the at-bat, and Judge just swung and missed at the first pitch. So, just want to see how this at-bat goes, and then we will get to weekly recap. Now that I am full and had myself a nice plate of fresh pasta from my amazing mother, one of the best cooks in the world, who is also listening to the show right now. <laughs> All right, 0-1 pitch to judge. It's outside. My mom and the rest of my family is watching this outside in our family room, and I'm in my room watching it with my microphone hot on yapping Yankees in case it happens. I could get it on tape for evidence. <laughs> Right, let me put the volume up a little bit on the TV. Let me just do that. There you go. Alright, 1-1 was outside. It's 2-1 on Judge now. And I know later on when you're listening to this, you already know the result of this at-bat and anyone to come in the future, but for me, it's happening at the moment, so please just bear with me, alright? <laughs> alright, it's 2-1. Next pitch is coming. 2-1 pitch. Outside. Check swing, though. Did he go? Yes, he did. The first base ump said, crap. All right, it's two and two. Let's see if he went. Showing the side view now. Yeah, I'd say he went. I would say he went. So it's two and two now. Wasn't even a good pitch. Tough check swing there. All right. I'm not sure he's going to do it. At Yankee Stadium, at least. But I could be wrong. Two and two. Ah, he missed another good one to hit. <laughs> oh, my God. It's a breaking ball low and away again, but still middle of the plate, and he he's getting under everything. He's only getting maybe like one good pitch per at-bat on average to hit, and when it does happen, he gets so under and just fouls it right back. It's, he's just missing him. Two and two. Pitch. Struck him out. Damn it. That's his third strike out of the day. Not a good day for him. Just in general. 
Even one of the times was when the bases were loaded before earlier in the game. And the Yankees are also losing 3-1 to one right now because Aroldis Chapman is just not a good pitcher. So, and by the way, just nowhere near my playoff roster, just for the record. Nowhere near my playoff roster. Even before this outing, this outing didn't help his cause at all. And for him on a personal level, even though this game is meaningless in the grand scheme of things for the regular season, on a personal level, this outing for Chapman was very important because these days, for people who might be on the fence about making the playoff roster in the eyes of the Yankees, these are basically auditions these days. And Chapman did not help his cause at all. Before this outing, I was saying that he is not on my playoff roster, and I'm even more so saying that after that disaster that just took place with him in the seventh inning, he is nowhere near my playoff roster or old as Chapman. As a matter of fact, if it were up to me, I'd DFA him after this game is over, which I know is not going to happen, but I'm just exaggerating for effect. <laughs> but you guys know I've been over Chapman for a while. A while I've been over him. I'm just it's not about it anymore. I'm tired of him. Tired of watching him be a train wreck. I don't care if he goes through a little bit of a, a streak being good here and there. It's it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. So that's that. But the Yankees are down 3-1. to one, And the reason I mention that primarily is because if the Yankee offense bats around enough and they're still losing come the ninth inning, which of course I hope the Yankees win, you know, if it comes to a win, even if, even if it's meaningless and Judge getting another opportunity, I'll, I'll choose the win as will Judge himself, and he'll be the first to tell you that. Some may disagree with that, but fine, whatever. But if they are still losing at the moment, then of course I will want Judge to get his at-bat at that point. And if they are still losing and the offense gets him around, by the time the ninth inning comes around, they'll have another chance at the plate and he'll get another A-B. So... We'll see what happens, but they definitely just didn't help their cause by going down 1-2-3 here in the bottom of the 7th because Rizzo just struck out after Judge struck out. So It's still 3-1, to one, heading to the top of the 8th in today's game against the Orioles. As far as this past week, again, since we didn't talk last weekend after Friday, because that's when I taped last weekend, we go back to Saturday just to quickly recap last weekend, and we'll go a little bit more in-depth from this actual past week from Monday on, but Saturday's game was pretty wild. Herman was on the mound, and his final line was five innings, three runs, one walk, and five strikeouts, so an eh start for Herman. Britton came in after him and did not have a good return at all. The guy was all over the place, only a pitch to third of an inning, gave a hit, a run, walked three people, he was just all over the place. And Trevino was in after him, and Trevino, who has otherwise, as we know, done very well since being acquired at the deadline, he allowed a run. So it's five runs for the Red Sox. After him, Licky, Schmidt, and Efros went shut out. But the Red Sox had scored five runs off of them altogether. And as far as the scoring overall, Glaber kicked things off that game with a solo shot, made it 1-0. Then Tristan Cassis hit a two-run shot to put the Red Sox ahead 2-1. to one. Reese McGuire right after him hit a solo shot, made it 3-1. to one. And those two players, bafflingly so, were really a couple of the only names who caused any damage for the Red Sox against the Yankees last weekend at Yankee Stadium, even more so than any of the recognizable, really good names that we know of towards the top of the lineup, like Devers, Bogart, so on and so forth. But the Yankees brought things a little closer on an RBI single by IKF, and then in the bottom of the fourth, a go-ahead two-run shot by Oswaldo Cabrera put the Yankees ahead 4-3, to three. and then an RBI single by Donaldson made it 5-3, to three. 
Red Sox use the top of the sixth and then the seventh to inch a little closer and then tie it. Cassis again coming through with a bases loaded walk to make it five to four. And then after that, Verdugo made the game tie all up at five on an RBI single, all tied up at five. And then in the bottom of the seventh, this was the game deciding big hit. Anthony Rizzo with his 32nd and most recent home run on the season with the two run shot driving home Hicks made it a seven to five game. And that is a score the Yankees would win by. They'd go for the sweep on Sunday and would achieve it by winning two to nothing in this game. Cortez was on the mound starting the game, and again, he just had another terrific outing. Six innings shutout, only allowing one hit, so two consecutive starts, allowing only one hit. Only walked two and struck out five. So another great start for Nestor, and the two Yankee runs came in the bottom of the fourth on an RBI single by Jose Trevino, and then on a fielding error, just a straight-up dropped fly ball by Rob Refsnyder, former Yankee in right field, on a fly ball by Marwin Gonzalez. After he dropped that fly ball, Hicks would come home to score. That would make it 2 to nothing, and that's what the Yankees would win by, and they would sweep the Red Sox in four at Yankee Stadium, and the game was cut off at six innings because of inclement weather, and they really tried to wait a while to see if they could continue this game, obviously for no other reason than to just give Judge as many chances as possible to, at the time, try to hit his 61st home run. But they legitimately saw in the weather forecasts, as did the rest of us, that the rain was not going anywhere and it was going to stay severe and continue on. So they had no choice but to call the game off after six innings. So technically, not technically, actually, (laughs) but Nestor, his six innings, since it was a six-inning rain-shortened game, was a complete game shutout. (laughs) So... Range-shortened 2-0 victory for the sweep for the Yankees. They would move on to Toronto for the three-game set there where they would only have to win one out of the three in order to clinch first place in the East. They unfortunately would not be able to do that in the first game, however, as they would lose 3-2 via a walk-off. But on the mound to start the game for the Yankees was Luis Severino. He only went four innings, allowed three hits, Allowed two runs, three walks, and four strikeouts, so not a great start for Seve. He had mostly clean first, second, and third innings with the exception of a walk or two and some really hard-hit balls, but it was really in the fourth inning when it started to unravel a bit because Bo Bichette started the inning off with a hit, Vlad Guerrero Jr. got a hit, Kirk walked, and then Chapman flew out. He actually got an out, but then Teoscar Hernandez tied the game on a two-run double, He was able to get out of it after that, but his pitch count was through the roof at that point, and they just decided to be better to take him out. So primarily the fourth inning was where he got into trouble, got into some deep counts, and just couldn't continue past the fourth. So not a great start, but not an absolute train wreck either. Trevino, Efros, Marinaccio, Luizica, and even Clay Holmes pitched scoreless innings after that. All scoreless appearances, Trevino for an inning, Efros for an inning, Marinaccio got got an out. Luizaga, an inning and two-thirds scoreless. Holmes, a scoreless inning. Unfortunately, on the walk-off in the bottom of the 10th, Schmidt allowed the ghost runner to score. But it's the ghost runner, of course, so it's an unearned run. So Yankee pitching overall did a very nice job, just the offense was mainly quiet. The only runs driven home were on a sack fly by Glaber in the first inning. So actually, the Yankees got on the scoreboard first, made it one to nothing. And IKF with his fourth home run of the year, an IKF homer? <laughs> yeah, 
he went deep, so it made it two to nothing. It was a solo shot, but then of course after that, like I mentioned before, was when Teoscar Hernandez tied it up on his two run double, and then Vlad Guerrero Jr. hit the go ahead game winning. RBI single in the bottom of the 10th, scoring the ghost runner off of Clark Schmidt. And that was when he declared Rogers Center his house. His house, his house. Well, it was very funny because everything that happened in the next coming two days proclaimed anything but. (laughs) Because it was all just remarkable moments for the Yankees. Just awesome stuff between clinching the division, Aaron Judge hitting his 61st, and just winning fairly... Easily, especially in the last game on Wednesday when they won 8-3. to <laughs> So, it was just really funny going forward for the rest of the series. But on Tuesday, starting for the Yankees on the mound was Jameson Tyone, and he had himself a very nice start. He gave up a lot of hits, seven hits and seven and a third, but otherwise he pitched a very nice game, going into the eighth inning, only allowing two runs, walking nobody, striking out six, and then Trevino finishing it off. For the five-out save, his 11th save of the season, only allowing one hit, so just two people used overall for Yankee pitching, the starter in Tyone, and then Trevino out in the bullpen. And again, Trevino having done such a great job in his time with the Yankees in the second half. So only those two runs given up. One of them was on a George Springer solo shot in the bottom of the first. And then way later in the bottom of the sixth on a Vlad Guerrero Jr. RBI single when they were down 5-1 to one, that made it 5-2. to two. But the Yankees got their five runs in the top of the third starting with Anthony Rizzo on an RBI single. Glaber with an RBI single after that. Glaber with another RBI single in the fifth. Aaron Hicks, I know, shocker, RBI double in the top of the sixth. And then Glaber after him again with an RBI single to make it 5-1. to one. After that, Vlad Guerrero Jr. would make it 5-2 like I just mentioned, and the final would be 5-2. And Glaber, how about the September he's been having, man? Everybody, including myself admittedly, was basically done with him with the struggling that he had done again in the middle of the season for a long time, for months. He just, in the beginning of the year, like I said, in weeks past, he was starting to look like the comeback player of the year. And then for months and months towards that middle part of the year, especially like in the mid-later part of July, throughout most of, or all of August. I mean, he was dreadful. Dreadful. And he looked like anything but a comeback player of the year candidate. And now in September, at the most important time, and I even said it a few weeks ago, even before he woke up, I said it. I said, if there's ever a time for Glaber to be able to win a lot of people back, and bring them back to his side, it is now when it truly matters in the playoff push. And ironically, right around that time is when he started to come back and woke up. And he has had himself a hell of a September in the time that it matters most outside of the playoffs themselves. So, really just a big kudos to Glaber for the month he's had. I have to mention that and give Glaber a lot of well-deserved kudos because he deserves it. Wednesday was the big day. Tuesday was already a huge day because that win clinched them the division. Wednesday then was the day where Aaron Judge tied Roger Maris as we spoke about in the beginning of the show with his 61st home run on a 117 mile per hour missile to left field over the wall just out of the grasp of some first row fans into the bullpen which is where they're located at Rogers Center, right behind the wall. 
But things would start out before Judge would get that home run later in the game, scoring-wise in the top of the first on an RBI single by Donaldson, an RBI single by Oswald Peraza, my boy who I wish got more freaking playing time, and then a sack fly by Marvin Gonzalez, so 3-0 right off the bat. And it would stay like that for a long time, all the way until the bottom of the sixth, actually. And Garrett Cole started the game, and he was doing a very nice job up until now, but we know... What happens to Cole usually in single innings? He usually has those one-inning meltdowns just in general, and maybe something doesn't go his way, and then he just falls apart. It's been a big theme of his, a big problem of his, for the vast majority of this inconsistent season for him. And that 3 nothing lead went right by the wayside against Cole in that sixth inning when he gave up a solo shot to start the inning to Danny Jansen. Allowed a hit to Merrifield, walked Jackie Bradley Jr. Fortunately, after that, George Springer, he hit a freaking bullet to right field, but it was caught, and Whit Merrifield advanced to third. Bo Bichette, RBI single, and then Vlad Guerrero Jr. later on in the inning hit a sack fly to tie the game at three, so Cole just choked the lead away, and it was 3-3 three to three at that point, and... Starting to wonder if, if Judge was going to do anything in this game before heading back to Yankee Stadium and before the off day on Thursday, or if the Yankees were going to win the game, even though at this point it was meaningless for them because they had just clinched the day prior. But not only did they win the game, but Judge also hit his 61st home run. So both things came true. They won the game, and Judge made history at the start of the top of the seventh, his 61st home run of the year. And Aaron Hicks was on base, got on just prior to the home run. So it was a two-run shot, also earning him RBIs number 129 and 130. Remarkable. And through all the craziness, through all the history, and through all the heartfelt moments when this unbelievable milestone was finally achieved, you finally realized, oh, and by the way, that gave the Yankees a 5-3 to three lead. <laughs> Even Michael Kay said it like that in the broadcast. Oh, by the way, the Yankees have a 5-3 to three lead. <laughs> I mean, it's true. You're focused on anything but, especially considering the fact that the game, as far as the regular season is concerned, has no value. So, really funny. Really funny how that went down. So that gave him a 5-3 to three lead with Judge's historic 61st go-ahead two-run shot. After that, Harrison Bader continued his awesome production with the Yankees so far with an RBI single of his own. Made it 6-3, to three, my boy Darth Bader. In the top of the ninth, Bader at the plate again, hits a ground ball back to the pitcher Adam Simber, tries to come home to nail Oswaldo Cabrera at the plate. He throws it away to the backstop. So Cabrera com- comes home to score, and even Donaldson, who was on base at second, came all the way around to score on the mistake made by Simber on the throwing error, and that made it 8-3, to and that would be the final the Yankees win by. They win the series in Toronto, despite Vladimir Guerrero Jr. declaring it his house after the first game when the Blue Jays walked it off. The Yankees took the series. They clinched the AL East against the Blue Jays in the head-to-head matchup. Aaron Judge made history. Hell of a series over there, wouldn't you say? I would. Thursday, like I said before, was an off day, and then this weekend, they came home. They returned home to face the Orioles, who they are facing right now. Herman started Friday night's game. He went five and a third innings, 
allowing two runs, giving up three hits, three walks, and six strikeouts. The two runs he gave up were on an RBI single in the top of the first to Ryan Mountcastle. And then the second run was actually given up by Zach Britton on a wild pitch, but Adley Rushman, who scored, was on base because of Herman, so the run was charged to him. And that made it a 2-1 to game at the time because the only run the Yankees scored in the night was in the bottom of the fifth on a solo shot by Oswaldo Cabrera. Who else? Because he is just awesome still. So that had tied the game at one at the time, and then the wild pitch scored the go-ahead run. And the final was 2-1. to So a really quiet game to start off the three-game set against the O's. Then there was yesterday's game on Saturday where the Yankees won big by a score of 8 to nothing, and again, we return to Nestor Cortez's amazing start of 7 and a third shutout innings, only allowing one hit, only walking two, and striking out a dozen people. 12 strikeouts. So an unbelievable start. And then Jacob Barnes, who we had mentioned before, and the Yankees signed him to a major league deal and called him up a couple of days ago. He pitched the final inning in two-thirds, so got the last five outs without allowing a run, only giving up two hits and striking out two, so a good outing for him before he was just DFA'd. And they signed Chichi Gonzalez to a major league deal and brought him up. (laughs) So nothing allowed by Yankee pitching. The Yankee offense did plenty, though. Bottom of the first started out right away with an RBI double by Glaber, made it one to nothing. Sack fly by Donaldson, solo shot by Stanton. Stanton's 29th of the year after he had been majorly str- struggling again lately since his grand slam, his walk-off grand slam. So that made it three to nothing. And I love any time that Stanton does something because even as objective as I am, if you've been following me for a while, you know that I love Stanton to death, so no matter how much he struggles, I will always love him, and it's really tough for me to watch him struggle. He's just awesome. Love the guy. What can I tell you? Bottom of the second, even Kyle Higashioka got in on things with his ninth home run of the year. A solo shot made it 4 to nothing. Bottom of the seventh, Glaber Torres again. It's like he's in on every other scoring play. <laughs> RBI single made it five to nothing. Josh Donaldson two run single made it seven nothing. And Harrison Bader with an RBI double to make it eight to nothing. And that would be the final. So evened up at one, headed into the rubber game matchup, the last home game of the season being today for the Yankees, which we are at the very end at in the bottom of the eighth right now at the time I'm taping. So the game's almost over. Yankees down three to one. The game itself, of course, means absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of the regular season. And it means nothing to the Orioles as well because they've already been eliminated from playoff contention, the wild card. So if the Yankees lose, then so be it. But basically the only thing remaining today that anybody cares about is seeing if Aaron Judge can get one more at bat in the bottom of the ninth if the offense will allow it and get some guys on base. If they don't do that, then we will officially have to wait for Texas. I just looked over to the TV. They are headed to the top of the ninth now. I also just realized that they had said Ron Marinaccio left the game early in the middle of the eighth inning with an injury. My God, I hope it is nothing major. (laughs) I I can't do it with the injuries anymore, man. I can't. Plus, the Yankees are already waiting on like Clay Holmes to come back, regardless of how you feel about how tough it's been to watch him. He's still on his way back. You're still waiting on Wandy Peralta, who, by the way, I also forgot to mention that in news. They're sending him to the alternate side as well to get some pitching appearances in and get some get some thrown in. And 
Hopefully he's back by the time the ALDS gets underway. He'll be ready to go. And he'll be getting plenty of action at the alternate site, so that's good for him. But you have guys like him and Holmes still out on their way back within the next week or so, hopefully. And and now if Ron, Ron Marinaccio has to go down with something, that is just really, really bad. It's really bad. So we'll have to see. Maybe they'll have an update after the game's over if that's anything major for Marinaccio. Hopefully I'll still be recording by then and I can give you the update. They're headed to the top of the ninth right now, so the game should be over shortly. And hopefully we have an update after that. But for now, that's all for this past week with the recap, guys. As far as what's ahead, well, like I said, the next three days, that's all for the season. Four more games in the next three days. These are makeup games from the first week of the season being affected by the lockout. So Monday, tomorrow night, will be game 159 on the 2022 regular season in Texas. And that'll be a 7.05 start time. It'll be Luis Severino against Martin Perez. On Tuesday, you've got the doubleheader. So two games, games 160 and 161. On Tuesday, the first game will be at 2.05 Eastern. Tyone's supposed to be in line for that to start. And for game three of the series, game two on the day, Garrett Cole's in line for that. And we'll see if, based on how things are going, the Yankees make any last-minute changes if they want someone to make another spot start like Chichi Gonzalez did today, for example, just to give everybody an extra rest heading into the off days when the wild card series happens leading into the ALDS. And by the way, Chichi Gonzalez, again, a pretty decent start today. Good job to him. So, and then Wednesday, the last game of the season in Texas, every game on the schedule for every team that day, as it always is each and every season, game 162, all of them are mid-afternoon, almost evening games. All of them are 4 o'clock games, so that is the time that the Yankees are at 4.05 Eastern in Texas for game number 162 to end the 2022 regular season. And Domingo Herman will be on the mound against Glenn Otto, former Yankee farmhand. So it'll be interesting to see that. But otherwise, guys, that is the end of the season. So next next weekend when we talk again, those are basically going to be the only games we have to recap because Friday, Saturday, and Sunday are all wild card games. So and the Yankees, of course, have the the bye to start the playoffs. So they are not playing any of those wild card games because they are a division winner, obviously. So next weekend will be spent watching wild card games and seeing who will match up against the Yankees in that first round in that American League Division Series, which is starting on Tuesday, October 11th. So it ought to be interesting to find out who the Yankees will take on then. It's going to be an exciting wild card weekend, but for now we still got the rest of the season to play out and anticipate Aaron Judge hopefully hitting 62 if it doesn't happen in the ninth inning, if the Yankees get the right amount of runners on base to give them another at-bat. Otherwise, we'll have to wait until Texas. So that is that. That's all, guys, with the weekly recap and what is ahead. So that only leaves one more thing. We've got the Q&A. Another week of you ask the questions, I answer them. We've done a few of those in the last couple of months, and they're fun to do. So I figured, why not again... To wrap up the last full week of regular season action. So let's get started. First up, we've got Rebecca at Peace Now for Life asking, 
If Benintendi is ready to play for the ALCS, what do you think the outfield looks like? We have Judge, Bader, Hicks, Oswaldo, and Benintendi. Can't imagine they will all make the roster. Yeah, that's a really good question. I like I said, I don't I really don't know if or when even Benintendi will be back. If it is, I imagine it's not going to be until like the ALCS-ish. If he does come back, it's going to be later on. That That's what I feel based on the updates. I, I hear he's starting to swing nowadays, but it's just, it's going to take time for him naturally. And I think by the time he's ready, the ALDS will already be done at least. I could end up being wrong, but that's just my thought process. But yeah, if he comes back, that complicates things a little bit. Not so much as far as Hicks is concerned, because me personally, I don't know what the Yankees are going to do in actuality, but me personally, Hicks is not on my playoff roster. (laughs) Definitely not. Oswaldo's definitely on mine, so that does complicate things. And I actually did, a couple of days ago, I basically put together my own roster, and once it was all said and done, it more or less landed at like 26 guys, so it's, it's tough. There's a little... There's a little changing around I have to do, so if there are any other roster questions here, I guess I'll just read out what I put together, and we'll talk about it a bit, but, yeah, because I want Oswaldo there. Of course, if Oswaldo weren't there, it would definitely make things less complicated, but I would imagine if all are available, then Benintendi would get the gameplay over him, unless, of course, they use the reasoning, which would be valid, that because of how much time Benintendi has missed... And the role that Oswaldo just continues to play on and the fact that he's been much more consistent over the last couple of months that it might be safer to put Oswaldo out there along with the fact that he just offers unbelievable defensive versatility both in the infield and outfield. Plays right field and left field like it's nobody's business after having little to no experience at either of them prior. And he plays a solid infield too. He even got reps down at first base for a little bit when they absolutely needed him. So... It complicates things. Oswaldo's definitely on my roster, but Judge and Bader are definitely there. It's just a matter of what they do between Oswaldo and Benintendi if and when they're both ready. So it ought to be interesting. That's really my only question. I don't know. It's it's a really tough call. I might honestly, to be really honest with you, and it's got nothing against I've got nothing against Benintendi. I love Benintendi. You guys know that. But because of the more consistent playing time Oswaldo's gotten you don't want to break that rhythm, man. And the fact of how great he is in the outfield as well, I know Benintendi's even better in left field prop, probably, but one thing that Oswaldo does have the edge over him with in the outfield is that Oswaldo's got a better arm than Benintendi. That's one thing to consider if that means anything to you on a personal level, but I don't know. It's a tough call. It's really a tough call. We'll have to see. At Nick's Rants asks, do you think there's any way we can fit Peraza on the playoff roster? I'd certainly love to, but unfortunately, he's probably going to be a sacrifice for one of the regulars, whether it be somebody coming back from injury or if they just decided to be complete boneheads and put somebody like Hicks or Chapman on the roster and they, you know, there's just no room for someone like Peraza. He'd be the next one on the chopping block, of course. I'd love to fit him, though. I'd definitely love that. At Yankee Ken asks, how confident are you in this team going into the playoffs? Cole is a question mark, and so is the bullpen. Actually, the bullpen for the vast majority of the last month, month and a half or so, they've been improved. They've been a bit better. So, I mean, they've had their bad games, obviously, but so does everybody. But I believe in the solid bullpen arms. I trust in guys like Loisaga, Efros. Um, I even trust Litke a decent amount. He's been, he's been better. 
Uh, Marinaccio, of course, hopefully nothing's wrong with him. I pray to God. I love what Trevino's done. I trust Schmidt in long relief. I even trust Peralta a decent amount, I guess. So, I believe in the bullpen quite a bit. Garrett Cole, he's got to just figure out the mental aspect because he has had such an inconsistent season, and in a lot of his rough starts, a lot of the damage comes totally in one inning, and usually when something just goes a little off from the way he would like it, whether it be a bad call or not being able to take the mound on time, no matter what instance you could think of, if something goes a little wrong or takes him a little bit out of his regiment or his routine, it just throws him into this funk where he cannot get under control, and it's a problem. It's a real problem. That kind of mental fragility cannot exist in the playoffs. It can. And if the Yankees are going to get anywhere, Jack Curry's mentioned this, all kind of Yankees and baseball analysts have mentioned this. You don't even need an analyst to know this, but just goes to show you how many people acknowledge this and understand this. But for the Yankees to go anywhere, they need Garrett Cole to, to not have a mental breakdown and to not just fold in the playoffs. They're not going to go anywhere if Garrett Cole's not good, if he's not the one leading the way. Has there been a better pitcher out there that statistically and factually had a better year than him? Yes, his name is Nestor Cortez. He's been the better pitcher this year, statistically, factually. He has. But with what you pay Cole, with what you bought him here to do, especially for times like the playoffs for him to lead the way, he's got to lead the way. That's what he was brought in for, quite literally. So he's got to figure it out. He is definitely a question mark. And I'm, I've been as big a cold defender as anybody for a long time. But there have been a lot of starts this year in his inconsistent manner where it was tough to defend him and his actions. It's been tough. But I'll also be the first one on the front lines to really give him the credit he deserves when he pitches the way that he should. So it just he needs to figure it out. He really does. How confident I am overall. Well, I'll tell you this much. I believe in them basically defeating anybody except for the Astros without question. I think they can beat Toronto. I think they can beat Tampa. I think they could beat Seattle. I think they could beat Cleveland. I think they could defeat any of those four. Guardians, Mariners, Blue Jays, Rays. I think they could defeat any of them. The problem the Yankees have that they've had for years is still a Houston Astros problem. That's the issue. If they run into them again, which, I mean, you have to think that any path of the World Series will inevitably run through them and now run through Houston again since, again, they have home field advantage yet again. So, but against them, I'm automatically much more on edge. And I wouldn't be surprised if they lost again. I'd be devastated, but I wouldn't be surprised. So... I'm basically confident in them against anybody for sure other than the Astros. I'm not saying that it's out of the question they could defeat the Astros. They very well could. But what I'm saying is it's not as not nearly as sure of a thing in my mind as it would be against any of those other four teams I brought up. So I'm confident they'll make it past the DS. I, I, I hope they do. I mean, they could still lose. Who knows? But I hope they do. I'm confident they will. But against the Astros, it's another story. If they make it past the Astros, I'll tell you this. I think it'll be such a big deal for them that no matter who they run into in the World Series, whether it be the Dodgers or anybody else, I don't think anybody's going to be able to stop them. Then my confidence will be through the roof. It's really just the Astros that I'm nervous about, like it is every year. So, 
at Crusaders BBNY says, what is your playoff rotation and does Cabrera play every day? Playoff rotation, like I mentioned, probably going to be Cole, Nestor, Sevi, Tyone. It's probably going to be that. And then guys like Herman and Schmidt using the bullpen for long relief. That's probably going to be the deal for that, if I had to guess. And I hope Cabrera plays every day. He's definitely on my roster. So I definitely hope so. But it's also going to depend on, on a lot of what happens with a lot of returning injury guys. So we'll see. Next, we have Tina at Mountain Gal 456, and she asks, Are you worried about the pitching heading into the playoffs now that Britain is out and home sounds iffy? Thanks, Mike. Well, you're welcome, Tina, and thank you to all of you for leaving your questions. That goes without saying. Britain being out, I don't think really affects them. You know, a lot of their success or lack thereof has been without him for the better part of the last couple of years. So I don't think Britain being out makes much of a difference at all. Um, Not to sound like insensitive or just totally rude, but that's just the fact of the matter. Holmes being iffy, well, (laughs) he's been iffy for a couple of months now, but him finding it and figuring it out and being at full health while doing that, I mean, like I said before, that would also be invaluable in a good way. So, does it add concern with Holmes? Yeah, a little bit maybe. I don't want to have to rely on him in a big spot the way he's been for the vast majority of the second half. For sure. But like I said, there are plenty of names out there who I do trust as of right now. So it, it doesn't really make me that nervous. I'm I'm more concerned about the consistency of other people. The offense, the regulars, like the starting rotation, other people in the bullpen. So that's really how I feel about that. And as far as Clay's injury, it does sound like he's going to be back for around the ALDS. So we'll see about that. At Banrise09 asks, will the Yankees win the World Series? Million dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> um, I guess I'll stick with what I said before when I was talking about the Astros. If they make it past Houston, then I say they will. Is that a good enough answer for you? <laughs> All right. At Laura underscore Navens asks, who would be on your 25-man roster for the playoffs? Here we go, the roster question, all right, so I guess I'm reading off my roster. So again, I did make this a couple of days ago. I just fooled around with uh, some names a little bit, see if I could get it down to 25. So here's what I came up with. Pitching rotation would obviously be Garrett, Nestor, Sevi, Tyone. There's four. Bullpen for me would be Herman and Schmidt for long relief, Johnny Lowe, Efros, Marinaccio, Trevino, Litke, I guess Clay Holmes when he returns, Peralta, if and when he's ready. So Holmes and Peralta are kind of ifs, but I'll just put them on, I guess. I'm leaving Chapman off of it, like I said. In actuality, he might be on it, but I'm I'm personally leaving him off. You asked for my roster, so I'm giving you my roster. Infielders would include Rizzo, Glaber, IKF will probably be there. Donaldson will be there, even though I'm not a fan of his, but the realism with that is so strong that I'm just I'm putting him on there because I, I know for a fact he's going to be there. I know he's been pretty good since coming off the paternity list, too. He's going to have to show me what he's got in the playoffs when it really matters, though. DJ will be there if they continue to decide that he's in a good enough place to play, which as of now, it seems like he is, which is big. So DJ will be there. So that's Rizzo, Glaber, IKF, Donaldson, DJ. I'd love to see both Peraza and Cabrera especially make the roster, like I've said. And if Cabrera at least makes it, then it should be... But the outfielders should be Cabrera, Bader, Judge, left to right. 
if and when Carpenter returns, which it really sounds like for the ALDS, he very well might. I personally wouldn't mind giving him a start, but I just personally don't see anybody starting him when he's coming off a multi-month injury and starting him over someone like Stanton at DH, because even when he struggles, you know that if Stanton turns it on like the flip of a switch, you know what he can do. I, I just don't see it happening unless Carpenter, with the chances he does get, just goes full-on freaking God mode again. <laughs> so, I do see Carpenter potentially being on the roster, though, as a backup option, bench player. And speaking of Stanton, you'll have him at DH, and Trevino at catcher two, obviously, so... How many we have now? We have Garrett, Nestor, Sevi, Tyone, Herman, 5, Schmidt, Luizga, Efros, Marinaccio, Trevino, 10, Licky, Holmes, Peralta, Rizzo, Glay, 15, IKF, Donaldson, DJ, Peraza, Cabrera, 20, Bader, Judge, Carpenter, when activated in the next couple of days, hopefully, Stanton, Trevino, that's pretty sure that's 25. I imagine they'll want Higgy as Trevino's backup for catcher, so that pushes it to 26. Unfortunately, at that point, that might be when Peraza has to be on the chopping block, possibly, as much as I would hate that. Like I said before, I definitely don't want Hicks on the roster, but I wouldn't be surprised if he squeezes his way on there somehow because the Yankees just love him for some reason. Even though he hasn't gotten too much playing time lately, so they must acknowledge what's going on, but I don't know. They still just find ways to squeeze him in there at times. And again, I wouldn't be surprised if they sacrifice someone like Peraza for Higgy or something so there's a backup catcher. Not putting Chapman on there. So I guess that's what I put out for now, I guess. The 25 I read out originally. I guess it could be something like that. And if someone like Ben intends to come back, and obviously for if... I put Holmes and Peralta on there actually already, so that's that's fine. That's accounted for. But if someone like Ben Nintendi comes back, that could complicate things as well. Somebody else might have to be sacrificed. So that original 25 for now, accounting for Carpenter as well, I guess that's what I'll say. That's what I'll put out there for now. Let me know if you agree with that. Next, we've got Spencer at Musician DMD saying, Previously on Yapping Yankees, I remarked my gut told me, even during that terrible August, that the Yankees would not relinquish the lead in the AL East and on October 5th, would-be AL East champions. The adversity they faced relinquishing a 15-game lead down to about two will make them stronger. I say that in part because it was largely the same players who were losing that saved themselves and started winning. My gut now tells me the Yankees will win the ALDS, they will beat the Astros, and they will be playing in the World Series. It's not blind hope, it's my gut. What does your gut tell you? my gut tells me right off the bat, Spencer, that I love the optimism. (laughs) And yes, you did say all those things. You did. Good calls all around. You and I have both made a variety of good calls throughout the season. So, as far as what's going to happen throughout the playoffs, like I did say before, I do agree with your ALDS prediction. I think they could defeat any of those four other playoff teams outside of the Astros, whether it be the Blue Jays, the Rays, the Mariners, the Guardians, I think they could defeat any of those four. The Astros is another story for me. I'm not saying they'll definitely lose to them, but I'm just saying if there's going to be any team that beats them, it's probably going to be Houston again. I would not be surprised if it happens. Like I said, I would be completely devastated and depressed if it did yet again. I'm not sure how many more times I can stand to watch history just continue to repeat itself, but 
Yeah, that's just what I think about that. The Astros, I'm unsure about. But I do think that if they defeat the Astros, then they're going to win it all. Because I think them finally overcoming them will be what they need to just finish the job. I, I truly believe that. So, that's what my gut tells me, I guess. Sort of repeating what I said before. Next up, I saw another question asking for the playoff roster and postseason starting rotation. I already answered both of those, so I'll uh, I'll skip over that one. At Baseball Tzar asks, after we sign Judge, what is our next big move? I, I got to tell you, dude, I'm not even thinking about the offseason right now. <laughs> but I guess I'll entertain it for now. A lot could happen from now until whenever the end is for the Yankees, whether it be winning a title or getting eliminated at some point throughout the playoffs. But I guess after signing Judge, which obviously has to be the obvious thing, <laughs> I guess after that, what I would do is make sure that you hold on to guys like Rizzo if they're to opt out, or maybe make sure you hold on to someone who's under team control or arbitration like a Jose Trevino. There are some names that you could debate about whether you want to bring back a Benintendi or do you not because of how much time he's missed. Is it really worth it? Especially when you've discovered somebody like Oswaldo Cabrera. You have Bader now for center field who is under contract for next year. If Judge returns, of course, which I believe he will, um, you obviously have him for right field primarily. DJ's sticking around. He's under contract, obviously. Uh, what, what you want to do with Glaber is, is up to... It's really going to massively depend on what he does going forward. So that's tough to say right now. That's why this question's really hard. Um, I would definitely consider finding a way to get out of the Donaldson contract, get rid of Donaldson. Um, I don't think IKF serves a purpose here anymore while guys like Cabrera are here who could play shortstop. Uh, Peraza's looking pretty damn ready. And Volpe's in AAA killing it right behind them. So... Once that's happened, you really regarded IKF as a placeholder shortstop at that point, and that role has been fulfilled when those guys are ready, so what is he here for at that point? I'm sure they'll find a reason to bring him back somehow, but I will disagree with said reason if everybody else or at least somebody else is ready to go who's a better option, and if that is the case, then he's got to be done here, look to the future. So basically... Dump off guys like IKF and Donaldson, I would say, and that also helps clear up the infield logjam as well, which would help. You'd have to consider what to do with a with a guy like Benintendi, of course, and maybe acquire another starter. I would definitely do that. But and maybe another reliever too. But it's gonna become a clearer picture once everything's over with, because right now the offseason is the last thing anybody's thinking about. You know, you gotta get through these last few weeks see what happens in the playoffs, and opinions could completely change based on what happens. Because, listen, playoffs is everything. And a lot of opinions could be changed. And a lot of things could happen that nobody ever expected to happen. So we'll have to wait and see. But obviously, yeah, signing Judge is the big first move. (laughs) At Pasha21K says, I really shouldn't ask, but I'm wondering what is going on with Benintendi. No, you could ask whatever you want. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's a Q&A. Open to the public. Don't worry about it. Uh, Benintendi, yeah, he's. I'm hearing that he's picking up swings soon, if not already, but it's going to take a while to ramp him up and take some live at-bats, and I don't see him back for a little while at least, at least another couple of weeks, which would take you to around ALCS time or maybe even later. I don't know. At that point... 
when he's been gone for that long and it's that important of a situation to put somebody into a huge environment like that who hasn't seen real in-game vital pitching yet up to that point, I'm not sure it's worth it. But if he is fully ready, they're going to try to get him in there, and it'll be interesting also to see what they do roster-wise, as we've spoken about at that point. But we'll see. I mean, the roster hasn't even been decided on yet. Still plenty of day- days until that. you got to play out the rest of the season. And the ALDS doesn't even start till next Tuesday, the 11th. So plenty of things to happen. But with Ben and Tendi, it's it's still a little while off, it seems. Definitely a little while off. All right, let's just do a couple more. Next up is at Andrew Caruso 77. He asks, the season's winding down, so I want to know, what were your favorite games this year and why? My list in no order is Judge Walkoffs versus Houston, Cole's near no-hitter, number 61, Torres Walkoff versus Cleveland, and the blowout game versus the Cubs. Let me know your thoughts. I think Judge Judge had one walkoff against Houston, right? It was that walkoff three-run shot to left center. I think so. I think the other walk-off was Aaron Hicks, um, which, you know, despite my dislike for Aaron Hicks, I will say that that is definitely one of my favorite games, the walk-off to the Astros from Aaron Hicks. That was epic. That really was. Probably the only epic moment of the whole season for him personally, but it was it was epic. It was great. Definitely one of my favorites. My absolute favorite, though, was one that I declared for the last couple of weeks, and it still is. My favorite game of the season, and I don't understand how anybody else could have even more of a favorite. I mean, it has to be when Judge hit 60 against the Pirates, and then Stanton shortly after that walked the game off with a grand slam when the Yankees were down freaking 8-4. to four. <laughs> And then Judge led off the inning with his 60th, but it still seemed like, ah, oh, the Yankees are still going to lose, and it was against a bad team, so, you know, not really feeling that great, even though he hit 60, but then... <laughs> Next three straight people reached base, and Stanton hit a missile into left field. Walk-off Grand Slam, after how much he had been struggling. So I I have to still say that that's beyond my favorite game of 2022, personally. The Hicks walk-off, and even the Judge one, too. I'll give it to that. Any win against Houston is nice. Garrett Cole's near-perfect game, not even just a no-hitter, perfect game. Took a couple of them. I think one was to the seventh inning, and the other was to the eighth inning. Yeah, those are those are definitely good mentions. Number 61, of course, for Judge, absolutely. I would definitely say Glaber hitting two home runs in one inning was pretty spectacular. So yeah, those are some uh those are some moments throughout the season that I really liked. I also really enjoyed it was way earlier in the season. I think it might have been back in April or something. Uh, maybe a little later than that, but the whole season's such a blur because of how much has happened. But uh Judge's walk off against Romano too as well on the Blue Jays, Jordan Romano. That was that was a lot of fun. So there's plenty of options to, to pick from. But yeah, I definitely had a couple of others I wanted to add on to your list. But that's a that's a good list. Some good mentions. Up next, we have at Dweller 73 and he asks, If Anthony Rizzo ate both pasta and antipasto, would he still be hungry? <laughs> this is great. He probably still would be. <laughs> Some people don't even know what antipasto is. They just mention it with pasta because it sounds like pasta. <laughs> I'll leave it up to all of you to figure out what antipasto means to all of my non-Italian-speaking listeners and fans. I'll leave it to you to find that out. I, of course, know what it means, but I'll just leave it to you to find it out. A little Yapping Yankees trivia. What does antipasto mean? That's my question to you. All right, let's finish off with our usual last two. First, we got my girlfriend at Vic Salimo, and she asks, which pitchers do you trust the most to keep us riding in the playoffs and why? Uh, One of them has definitely got to be Nestor, for sure. (laughs) 
My trust in Cole is iffy because of his inconsistency, but I'll I'll believe that he can turn it on in the playoffs. For his sake, I hope so. Otherwise, he'll never be revered as a true ace in this town ever again, knowing New York. Um, I would trust Seve more if he had been back from the injured list more, if he had more starts before the playoffs, but I'll say I can trust him to go at least like four or five innings and put out a respectable start. Tie on him iffy on. In the bullpen, my most trusted pitchers, if I had to say, definitely have to be Johnny Lowe. I trust Scott F. Ross a good amount. Marinaccio a good amount. I definitely trust Trevino a good amount. He's done a great job since coming over. Uh, Litke and Peralta, I, I trust decently, I guess. Regardless of how you feel about him personally, as a person, Herman has done well since coming back. And I definitely trust Schmidt for long relief. I trust Schmidt. So I guess those are the main pitchers I trust. I hope that answers your question, Vic. And lastly, let's finish off, as always, with my mom, Julia Gina Scudero. And my mom asks, How far do you think the Yankees will go in the playoffs? I unfortunately think they sink at the hands of the once-cheating Astros. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong. But I will say, if our pitching collectively becomes what it was at the beginning of the season, and the offense hits, we will win the World Series. Do you agree with me on all of this? Well, I definitely agree with your uneasiness against the Astros. I don't say they'll definitely lose against them, and I certainly don't say they definitely win against them. I'm unsure. It's just it could go either way, but I'm very nervous. That's definitely the team that I'm most afraid of facing, for obvious reasons as a Yankee fan. But, yeah, if the pitching holds up, because the pitching for the most part, especially has resurged since their, since their slump in late July into August, but... For the vast majority of the season, they've still been really good. They've been good of late, so hopefully they continue on that trend. If they do good and the offense hits, then yeah, nobody's going to stop them. Especially if they manage to sink the Astros. I don't think anybody's stopping them at that point. And against the Astros, that's actually a massive key because I don't want to forget to mention this. We mentioned this after they played them earlier in the season, but I'll mention it again as we head into the playoffs. My big key against the Astros, if and when the Yankees make it to them, there's no guarantee they'll make it to them, but I personally think they do. So when they do, in my opinion, <laughs> the big key, at least as far as what we saw from the regular season matchups in 2022, is the offense. Because with the exception of the very first game against them, if you recall, the Yankee pitching actually kept the Astros offense down very well. More often than not, they did a very nice job. The vast majority of the time in the head-to-head regular season matchups in 2022 with the Yankees and Astros was that the Yankee bats never came through. They did nothing. And when they did do something, it often resulted in them just blowing countless scoring opportunities. And if they do that in the head-to-head matchups in the playoffs, the Yankees will lose again. And we'll have more trauma to add. Yankees against Astros trauma to our ledger. But if they hit and the pitching keeps them down like they did in the head-to-head matchups in the regular season, then anything's possible. My X factor for an Astros matchup is the offense. They have to hit. They've got to hit. Assuming, of course, the pitching does what they did against them in the regular season the vast majority of the time, then it is definitely the offense. They've got to come through. And when they get runners on base, they can't blow the scoring opportunities. They've just got to do it. they got to get it done. Do not let history repeat itself for a third time. Just don't. 
But with everything you said, Mom, in your assessment, I would have to agree. With the exception of saying that they will definitely 100% lose to the Astros. Uh, there's, there's always a chance they could beat them, but I'm certainly nervous against them. So as far as that's concerned and everything else, yeah, it's tough to disagree with much of anything you said. So thank you for the question, Mom, and thank all of you for submitting your questions. Of course, there are people I couldn't get to, but obviously just keep on interacting every week, guys. I'll get to you eventually, but you know how much I appreciate the interactions each and every week. Before we wrap up, though, I did notice about 10-15 minutes ago, just in the middle of me rambling on with this Q&A and the end of weekly recap, uh, the Yankee game did end, and they lost 3-1, to so they did lose the series to the Orioles this weekend. Um, doesn't mean anything in the... In the grand scheme of the regular season, obviously. But um, the main thing was the fact that the offense did not get judged to the plate in the ninth inning, so he could not get one more at-bat. And 62 will have to wait for Texas for the next three days. So we'll see if he does or doesn't do it. He's got four games remaining. Still plenty of time to hit one more home run. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens. I can't wait to watch it, though. Obviously, it's just about the only remaining thing of value for the regular season before we get started with the playoffs. And also, I did hear that Boone gave an update on Marinaccio, and thank God it does not seem like it's a massive problem. Thank God. It just seems to be a shin issue that Boone says he has apparently been dealing with for a chunk of the season, and he's going to go for an MRI, but certainly for a pitcher, you'd rather it be a leg problem than an arm problem, goes without saying. But... Hopefully this means that, you know, all will be good, especially since it's just something he's been dealing with all throughout, and you haven't heard about it before this, really, so hopefully it's just not that big of a deal, and nothing changes. That's the hope, but for now, it really doesn't seem like anything major at all, and that is a huge relief. And on that note, that is all for episode 157 of Yapping Yankees, my friends. Please be sure, if you don't already, to follow me on all social medias, my Facebook fan page is Mike Scudero NY. Twitter is at Mike Scudero. And Instagram is Mike Scuds97. Please be sure to subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four of the platforms it's available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Show your love on all four of them. And if you've missed any of the past Yapping Yankees episodes, you could hear episodes 34 all the way up to episode 157 today on YouTube. And all episodes, even going back to episode one, including today's, are available on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Once again, though, thank you, 3000, for listening to me yap today, my friends. I have been your host, Mike Scudero, as always, and I will talk to you next Sunday, October 9th, when I come at you with episode 158 of Yapping Yankees with Wildcard Weekend in full force. And the first round, the American League Division Series for the Yankees, just a couple of days away at that point. But until next Sunday, you know the deal. Hang in there. Stay safe. Look out for your loved ones. And in the meantime, while watching the end of the regular season and anticipating the playoffs, enjoying Wild Card Weekend next weekend, why don't you do both me and yourself a massive favor and go and kick life's ass this coming week? What do you say, huh? And I'll do it too. Or at least I'll do my best in doing so. 
Otherwise, my good people, enjoy these last few games of the 2022 regular season. Let's hope that Aaron Judge hits number 62 and the Yankees can finish off the season on a high note and prepare for the American League Division Series. Otherwise, I'll talk to you next Sunday, my friends. Take care.